When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. If you're looking to buy a property, give Property Prize Guru a call. They specialise in helping buyers on their property search and can even negotiate on your behalf, potentially saving you thousands. Email info at propertyprizeguru.co.uk and use reference house 07. That's house 07 for a discounted rate. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Aiden and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy and Ben Aiton. And I'm delighted to say we are joined by BBC Radio 1, BBC Radio 5 Live, DJ, and of course Watford FC fan and no other of one third of the Peter Crouch podcast. It's Chris Stark. Chris, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're really good. Well, no, thank you. It's just, I say this, like, the nice thing about being a Watford fan is... A, I, I like that we can come together on these types of podcasts and just chat Watford and football and you get asked to do various other things and various other projects. And whenever I see in the subject title, chat Watford, um, I'm all in. So here we go. Yeah, good stuff. First things first, not not quite Watford related. We obviously, those that listen to the Peter Crouch podcast know that you suffered a bit of an injury and I, I'm no stranger to an injury myself. How is the ankle keeping up, Chris? Is it all good? It's all right. Thank you for asking. <laughs> it was so stupid. You know, they they opened up the football and I was so excited because you know what? I haven't played football for years and years. And then I was walking through the park about a year ago and just saw loads of lads playing. And uh, I really wanted to get involved. It was a really odd one. Like I just had this real moment where I was like, look, you used to love doing this. Why don't you go do it? And everything about my body was like, don't do it. You're unfit you're older now you know it's awkward as well I think it's awkward to go up to a random group of guys it's one thing when you're a kid and your parents are sort of pushing you forward but it's different as an adult to go up to a group of guys and basically say can I play please (laughs) and that's kind of how it felt to me it was signing up and playing football again but it's been the one of the best things I've done over the last year and a great group of guys 
and they've all known each other for quite a long time. So it was a bit awkward when I joined and I'm, you know, a bit of an outsider. And then I guess a couple of them clock what I do for a job. And I think that can make you a target as well, because, you know, I'll do the same the other way around. And no, jokes aside, like it's just been one of the best things that I've gone and got involved in. And I'm so pleased I sort of reached out at the start because otherwise I wouldn't be playing football again. Anyway, the government locks it all down. Football's off. I'm so excited to get playing again. And we did our first first game back at sort of seven, eight aside in the evening. I'm saying I lasted 15 minutes, 20 minutes max before I just I went in on a stupid tackle. It's all my fault. Rolled over this guy's leg and fractured my foot. So now I'm out again for a bit. Yeah. Are you in the boot? I I was, but I'll be honest, I've taken it off now just because everywhere you walk, people ask about the boot. So even if I go for a piss at work, like (laughs) you walk through the office and there's four or five people that will be like, oh, I can hear you coming from the other side of the office. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's all good, but it wears a bit thin. So I got rid of the, got rid of the moon boot. Um, It was interesting because I was at the game recently and um, the game that we got promoted and I saw Troy and he was asking about my foot (laughs) and I said to him, I was like, I think I'm just a bit old now. And he looked at me and was like, yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because I've sort of known him and I see him occasionally. um, And it just feels like we're both getting a bit older now. But he tried to compare himself to me. And I was like, listen, you are very different (laughs) to what I am, what I am going through right now. Oh dear. I absolutely love that Peter Crouch podcast. I think you guys are doing a fantastic job. And I listen every week whenever I'm going for a run or walk or driving in a car doing the school runs, just like yourself. Um, I think it's the best season that you've done yet. Um, how did it all start and how far off are we from seeing spraying A's on the show? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, the Peter Crouch podcast originally came about when someone at the BBC um, a guy called Steve came up to me and he worked at five live and he had the option to make a, a podcast with Peter Crouch. And they originally wanted to make it like a limited series and it be around a, a sort of a guide to being a footballer. And he uh, Crouch, he had a book coming out. And I think from Crouchy's point of view, it was like tying in a bit of promo with the book. He didn't really have a clue about podcasts, but this guy, Steve came and approached me because I do a daily show on Radio One with with Scott Mills. And I think he wanted to try and do the podcast a little bit different to a lot of the sports podcasts that were out there. And I said I was interested, um, but I kind of also believe that you don't really want to force these things. So what we agreed to do was just record one episode and just see how it goes. So we went to a, a hotel near where Stoke were based. And... Uh, and I met Crouchy for the first time there and me, Tom Crouchy, we didn't know each other before, but all we did was just turn the mics on and just kind of just chat really. And it became really apparent to me very quickly that it felt really special and it felt different and it Crouchy's up for a laugh. And, and a lot of what I do in my job is silly stuff and uh, ideas that are kind of at their heart. They're a little bit silly or, or for the fun of it. And most things in football are quite serious and footballers are trained to be almost evasive in their answers. And Tom is very knowledgeable. 
you know, he writes a lot of autobiographies and he deals with a lot of sports people. At the time, he was BBC's chief sports writer. So it was a really interesting dynamic and it, it worked. After that first one, I said, like, brilliant, let's, let's, let's get involved, let's do it. And luckily, the other lads agreed. And we decided to just call it that Peter Crouch podcast. Everyone had all these amazing names for it. And I'll never forget, it was me and a lad called George in a car going, you just really just want to call it how people talk about it in a pub and that's what this is always ever meant to be it was you know we we never had an idea that it would get this big mm. but we always sort of knew what it should feel like and I, I i really like that it's to me and i hope it comes across it feels like a club that you can be part of when the episode drops like everyone's listening on their way to work and you know there's a lot of funny stuff in there there's a lot of football um, but equally, hopefully it feels like, especially over the last year where you can't be in the pub so much, mm. it hopefully feels like, you know, you're, you're with us in a room, you're just sort of having a couple of drinks. I think that's it, it, Does that make so sense? This, yeah, no, I think that's why it's been so good this season, because like you say, with the whole COVID thing, and we can't get out to the pubs and meet our mates and that, it feels like we're with you in a room and we're on a journey with you, and it's just fantastic. And like you say, it feels like we're involved in that group and we're all together and the things that you suggest on the show as well. And we have, you have us in absolute stitches and it's, it's just like we're with our mates. Yeah. Try, and that's it. And we do these silly ideas. And I, what I really like is people get involved in it. And ultimately the podcast has got big because mm. the differences with people who listen to our podcast there, they, they want to spread the word about the podcast. They want to yeah. graffiti it on walls. They want to, <laughs> they want to, they want to grow it. And that's been something amazing about this whole project podcast you called it a job earlier i don't even think it's a job for me it it genuinely is just such a fun place for me you know a lot of the stuff i do on radio one is ideas and just making these ideas happen well with the crouchy pod you can make you can literally make anything happen with it because there's no rules i mean some of the guests have been fantastic but i must say surely troy's on the list chris I'm waiting for yeah, that Troy's, drop, Troy's been, I think we got Troy to do a language warning at the start and I got Will Hughes to do it as well. <laughs> I think this was in the last lockdown. Um, I think I, 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 it's a really good point actually, because I think we've said about getting Troy on before and then we've just, we just haven't really got round to it. Um, and it, it would definitely be a good person to have on. You would. Right. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk some Watford. That's, that's why we're here. Um, how long have you been supporting Watford and, and how long have you been going to games, Chris? Um, well, I went, my first ever game I went to was a Watford game. Mm-hmm. And I was about, I'm saying about six, seven years old because I lived in the area. Sorry, I will stop eating. Give no, no, you carry on. <laughs> Breakfast is on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to stop. One sec. Um, all right. So, yeah, I went to my first game when I was six or seven years old. And it was Watford against Sunderland. And I've got real vague memories of it. But my parents weren't really into football. So my next door neighbour took me. And then what happened is because I sort of fell in love with football and started playing for a local team, everyone was a Man United fan. So I went through this phase of becoming, I wouldn't say a Man United fan, but all the kids were getting Man United kits. So for Christmas, my grand got me a Man United kit. And... um and then my auntie used to go to West Ham games. So I would go along with her to West Ham games. I just loved football. 
So it was only really when I started at my high school in Watford that I was then able to go to games on my own. And I remember going to Watford with my two best mates and my best, uh, one of my best mates, Dugsy, he used to go every week with his dad and had been for a while. But because I started this school in Watford, I'd meet him in Watford and then his dad started driving me. Long story cut short, I went to Watford really for what I'd consider my first proper game because it was, it was through me going and I just fell in love and it was such a weird feeling. And, um, I loved being in the rookery. I looked forward to it all week. It just dominated my life. And maybe part of that was also being at a school in Watford mm-hmm. um, and sort of growing up in the area, but it suddenly started meaning a lot more to me. So I could say I've been a Watford fan for quite a while, but the truth is I really became a fan when I sort of discovered it for myself, aged about 12, 13. Yeah, uh, I'm fast forwarding massively here now. I want to talk about this season just finished because it's been like a weird season for for so many reasons pandemic no fans in we had three games I think it was or two games where we had fans in Ben I know you were lucky enough to be at one of them and it's just been crazy and obviously going back at the first uh, first hurdle do you, uh, it, it's a difficult question but do you have a favourite moment from this season Chris? Um, I don't know I, I, I sort of in my head sort of compare and contrast a lot of this season so for me there's the image of all the players or or a lot of the players um sat up in the stand at the beginning of the season and they've all got masks on and you can sort of tell that they're all talking amongst themselves and the performance isn't great there's question marks about the attitude there was even talk about a lot of the players that you're looking at in the stand there are they actually staying with the team or, or, or are they moving on or do they think they're to be honest do they think they're they're better than the team. It's that weird dynamic of just being relegated. And that really sticks in my mind. And obviously that's not a highlight, but the highlight for me is kind of going from that image of where we were at one point in this season, even though it feels about 10 years ago, to like Dan Gosling's celebration. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you know, the cel- it's like people, players celebrating tackles and it, it's where you could really see it meant a lot to, to the players. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you've got a team that's got relegated. They probably, you know, we shouldn't be in the championship. Well, that's the wrong thing to say. We, we were put into the championship, you know, we, we are or were in the championship. You know, it'd be arrogant to think that we shouldn't be there. It's probably the wrong way to put it. But my point is, I think the team, it didn't, it wasn't just about the performances on the pitch. I think there needed to be a, a headspace change where instead of feeling like a, a premiership team that had gone down, we had to fight on a championship level, earn the respect of, of you know, going up automatically through the championship. So it's a, it's, it's a really long answer to a very simple question. I'm sorry, but no, no. highlight for me in my head is that Dan Gosling, you know, he's losing it. And I loved that so much because you could see how much this meant to players and how much effort had gone in. But the reason that was such a beautiful moment was because of the contrasting image from the beginning of the season. At what point of the season did you start believing that we was going to go up? Was there a moment of the season, like maybe like the Messina free kick, where you thought, yeah, yeah. the togetherness here, we, we're going up? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've made no secret of the fact that I'm, I'm a huge Will Hughes fan. And I think 
getting him back into the team. Um, it, it's, and sometimes it's not even the stuff that he's doing technically playing. He just like, you know, when I, he, I text him about this. He, he, um, he got absolutely clobbered in a challenge. I can't remember what the game was. And he just got up and laughed at the player that had taken him down. And I just loved that moment so much. I wish I could tell you ex- exactly what game it was. And and I texted him about it because I was just like, that's it, isn't it? That's the, because for me, that was the real showing of like, he could have gone down, could have rolled around. And yeah, come on, we've got players that do that occasionally. But for me, it was just a real attitude change to not just get up straight away and carry on with the game, but to be laughing at the player that's done it. I, I just like, I just really liked that moment. Um, was there a particular moment in the season that I felt it changed? I, I, I mean, we were all dubious about the manager, weren't we? Because we knew nothing about him. And obviously, whenever a new manager comes in, you, you kind of expect the first game. It, it often goes their way, doesn't it? Because there's a sea change. The players you know, want to perform for the new manager and ultimately be in the team. But he kept that feeling going throughout a season. So you have to really say the manager change was a, yeah. was a huge sea change in this season. And and the right one. Yeah, I mean, the scenes after that, even after that Norwich home game, his first home game, mm. it felt like we'd done something really, really momentous then because everyone was hugging, the manager was hugging the players, the players were on the same wavelength. You didn't see that under Rivic. So, yeah, that, that was quite a contrast between the two. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, we've we've got all the, the, the big-name players. You know, you've got Saar, you've got... Um, Pedro, you, you got some big name players cleverly. Would you say have you got an unsung hero of the season at all? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Unsung hero. I mean, I think all the players have rightfully been celebrated. You know, King Samar. I think I think uh-huh. the right players have been <laughs> celebrated. I think even you know I mentioned him earlier, Dan Goslin. I think. You know, you look at players coming in, you and he's a mad situation as well when you think about it. When you think about, you know, the club he was at before, moving to Watford and the criticisms that come with that. And also look at the players that we offloaded in that time as well. And you look at you know, Ghana and and it's it's just interesting how it all plays out. Um, unsung hero. Well, look, Backman's come in and done extraordinary, and I just I, f- I think we, t- I don't know if we take it for granted, like could be the wrong way to put it, but how incredible is it that we've had these incredible partnerships with our goalies? So, so much so that at Watford, we've been able to kind of have debates about who should be starting what games, whether it was Gomi and Foster, or you look at this season, you suddenly, you suddenly go, well, Backman's kind of, he's, he's done the business, hasn't he? And I'm not saying, you know, I'm a huge Foster fan. I, lo- I love the guy to bits, but I just think it's such an amazing situation. We have a Watford where we keep seem to be finding these goalkeeper partnerships and they're not brought into the club as partnerships. They're developed at the club. There's something very special we seem to be able to do with goalies at Watford that a lot of clubs can't. Yeah, we're very lucky, aren't we? We're blessed with goalkeepers and especially when we've got like Dolberg out on loan as well.
we lost him. Keeps this season, both had double figures in clean sheets. It's Big incredible. But how does that happen? Yeah. So, so it's then amazing. you've got to look at the unsung hero is question and go, well, what is causing that Watford? You know, obviously it's good recruitment, but these yeah. guys and goalkeepers are a different breed. You know, Crouchy's made that very clear to me. Um, but there, it feels like there is something special. Someone at Watford, you know, deserves applause for <laughs> the goalkeeper situation we've had the luxury of having over the last few seasons. Yeah, 100%. I can't agree uh, anymore with that. Um, Millwall at home, you were in the Hive Life studio. Watford clinched promotion back to the Premier League at the first attempt. Talk us through that whirlwind day that you had at Vicarage Road. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so, yeah, I got asked a couple of weeks before they said that the season could potentially they'd sort of figured out that it probably or could well come down to Millwall and then results slightly went against us but every other result went for us so that schedule sort of ended up staying on track mm. so it got to that that day and um I was booked in to do the hive the hive live coverage and um I just felt really honored to be there you know and I, I said it in the in the coverage beforehand that you know it's been a heavy year and there'll be so many not just the fans that couldn't be there you know because of rules there's so many people that have lost family members over the last year that are Watford fans Mm. and would have given anything to be there celebrating promotion and I also think for people and families and it's just a thought that came into my mind and it might not be the case. I'd be interested to know. Um, but family family members who are Watford fans that have lost loved ones that were Watford fans, how much that last day of the season would have meant to them if they could be in the ground. It would be a deeper sense of emotion. We all get emotional at going up, but there would have been something extra for them that I felt it would be good to acknowledge because... You know, it's one of those things that you don't forget about it, but is one of the wonderful things about being a part of a football club is that you celebrate the good times, but ultimately you you feel supported. And even if the only people you see all week, and that is, you know, there'll be fans that come along to the game. The only people they see all week is is when they're in the ground and have that sense of community. And um, it's been such, you know, football-wise, we can talk about that, but also... We do need to talk about how it's been for fans and we'd all love to be in the Vic, but I'm just, I really, when I was there doing that Hive live coverage, I I ended up talking about it and probably might've been the wrong place and wrong time to do it. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to just give a little thought for everyone that has experienced that this season and Watford fans. And I just hope that when we can all be back in, we can mark that somehow. Um, And I don't, I don't know how, but it just felt like a very significant day to me for the fact that Watford could get promoted. And I was confident that we would, but also I was lucky because I was a fan that was allowed in the stadium. Even more than that, I was allowed to be on the pitch and, you know, I, the, the club gave me their Instagram login to kind of, so I felt like John Terry, if I'm honest, I, I, was, <laughs> I was down on the pitch and all the guys are celebrating. I've got a lad from the media team there going, yeah, just go on the pitch. Like just do the Instagram thing. And I was a bit like, all right, well, I'll, I'll happily do that. Cause I want, you know, people to see what's going on. But equally I'm there. All the guys are celebrating. And then luckily 
um, Ben Foster passed me and sort of started picking me up. And then at least I think security were less worried about like, who's this random guy <laughs> that is currently like just sort of basking in all the guy's glory. It was an amazing day. And, um, and to be able to be there on the pitch, you know, I'm a Watford fan and, and to be on the pitch celebrating as we get promoted, it's the coolest, th- coolest thing. But then equally what it, it was kind of hollow because football is about being there with your friends and as as lovely as that is look great i can put a nice picture on instagram of me on the pitch but it it was weirdly hollow (laughs) lovely but it was hollow because these are the moments you put your arms around your best mates and celebrate right yeah one thing i love that you did that day chris is what uh, taking Scott Dutchbury up to the Hive Life studio because me and Mike we've we've been with you on this and we totally don't get the criticism that he's had this season especially when that letter was put together by some Watford fans this season saying that they weren't giving their all and like we know football uh, chairmen they don't sleep at night because of their problems that they go through so I thought what you did that day by getting him up to the Hive Life studio and having his moment letting him enjoy and talk to the fans as well because there's been maybe issues with the connection between Watford's football club and the fans this season especially at the start of the season I think Watford fans felt there wasn't as much of a connection but I think after the Watford forum that we did early maybe about September November time when Ivic was there as well I think after that Watford really stepped up the interaction with the fans and you couldn't fault it but Scott Duxbury he needed to come on to Hive Live and he needed to say a few words, didn't he? And I thought that was brilliant. And for Watford fans to hear that as well and to hear the emotion in his voice, like he couldn't really say much because it meant so much to him, didn't it? Yeah. I He didn't want to go on Hive Live. That, that's the truth of it. They, um, I, th- I think they wanted, the guys there obviously wanted to speak to him. Um, I've known Scott quite a while. You know, I, it's not a big secret. He's a friend of mine. Um, so I guess, I guess I've got to separate two parts of me here. Like I'm, I'm a, a, a Watford fan and I get frustrated. And a lot of the stuff I see on social media, when people are frustrated, I'm actually a little bit frustrated about as well. What I do think I've seen sometimes is stuff that goes towards the, the kind of upper management at the club and I'm like, it's weird because it, it's kind of conflicting with how I know he is and I, how I know they are. Mm. Um, so I wanted to drag Scott up. So I was on the, I, I was with him on the pitch and I said to him, look, trust me, just come on and we'll talk. Like, and the thing is, right, I like the idea of a fans forum yeah. and I like this notion that there is more interaction between the club and the fans as a fan but the problem is i think sometimes these guys get put in a lose-lose position as in if you end up talking more and really show the inner workings and stuff you have to deal with you can get publicly criticized for that people pick it apart people tell you this is what you're doing wrong and actually to a certain extent there has to be trust between owners or, or, or chairman or the, that upper management and the fans, because you have to kind of trust that they are doing the best for the club. I think where it falls down 
is when fans get a feeling that they are not representing their interests. And so why I really wanted Scott to go on Hive Live was because I know him and I, I go to games with him and I see how much it means to him. And everything he said, I was so happy that people saw that because that's the Scott I see. And it is very hard for someone in his position to let a guard down to be able to show that without also getting criticized for showing that. So it's a really tricky one, guys, because I do believe that there there can always be good communication, but there can't be sort of this total. You you do have to trust them to a certain extent, and you do have to kind of. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say anything that patronizes anyone here, but it's like they are doing their job, and I see that from the passion, the question marks about passion and interest in the club. Okay, I think what was good about Hive Live is everyone got to see that with him. That exists. I've never seen, I've said this, I've never seen, I've never been with someone at a game who gets so angry when we lose and so upset. But equally, I see him be so happy and I see him give everything, like everything. I've seen that guy be so stressed. But he doesn't want to burden fans with that as well. Like he, he wants to protect that, right? And he wants to protect the club and he has to make decisions. So I agree with you to a certain extent. I think fans forums, things like that can be really good. The thing that I would say to you guys as well, though, is if you do a fans forum and people get used to this fans forum and the questions that get asked, you know, answers are given, people then pull apart those, those answers and questions. Then that invites more questions and more discussions and where does it stop it's a really hard line to figure out um but also i do think we're lucky that we have a club where people like scott come out and actually do talk because in a lot of clubs they don't and it could be so so different and i don't want to say that we've got used to that or expect that but i do think they give us more than a lot of people do in other clubs in terms of wanting to talk, wanting that dialogue, wanting that communication. And Duxbury really views it as that, like his overwhelming thoughts, as long as I've known him over the last you know, few years, has been you know, that together we'll all do great things. Yeah. And he really, he, really, he really means it. And I think as fans, we do have to take a slight leap of faith here. And I don't even think it's a huge leap of faith because they've proven in so many ways that, you know, that they will do their best for the club. But we do also have to trust that even when times are a little bit shitty. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, I think that that's hopefully showed the people that were critical of him on social media that he, he does care about the club. And uh, Yeah, but I, Mike, I mean, that's okay as well, you know. Like, people have a total right to be upset. Fans all fans me included you like people have a right to be upset i think what gets quite hard is when there's a feeling of a movement or a feeling of a kind of like at that point the club do obviously need to improve their communication and go look we can see what's going on but this isn't the case but that is really hard to do Mm. that's that's a really it's one of those ideas that's nice in principle 
we need to talk more, all of this kind of thing between the club and the fans. But how do you actually do that? Like, how do you actually do that? And fans forums work in some ways, but then people have a go about the questions. Mm. This is big business as well. So they've got to be careful about the answers. I think just occasionally we need moments like we saw on that final day of the season where Scott could just talk like a fan. He's a fan. Like, let's not forget that. Mm. He is, he, we have a rare example here of, of an owner or a chairman rather, who is a massive Watford fan. It means everything. His, you know, his kids were there that day. He, he's such a proud person with this football club. Yeah, yeah, and I think that interview showed it. And like Ben said, you know, um, if it wasn't for you, we, we we wouldn't have seen that interview. So, uh, so hats off to you, Chris. But just sticking with the the, the, the celebrations, how, how did you celebrate once the cameras stopped rolling? Because I, I think after the uh, players left the stadium, I think they went to a nearby pub. I think Ben was saying on the uh, latest cycling GK. Did you join them or did you yeah, go so, back well, home? Interesting one. So I, um, the garden in the, in the red lion pub was open. So, uh, so <laughs> I, I ended up in there <laughs> and, uh, it was really weird because the pub wasn't open earlier. And then I left the ground. I was like, this sort of magical garden at the back that I'd never seen before. <laughs> I, um, so I ended up in, I ended up in there. Um, but, a load of the guys were going on to another place, but I was very much of the mindset that it, I can't, like, I've already been on the pitch sort of basking in their glory. It feels really wrong to turn up. <laughs> so I decided to just swerve that and have a few drinks with my mate. Oh, brilliant. Uh, jumping ahead to next season, we've seen that Watford have started preparations for Premier League with Jao Pedro. Looks like he's signed a new contract to 2027, which is brilliant. Uh, such a talent, that boy. Um, but as a fan, how many signings do you think we need to add to the squad this season to strengthen and maybe push for survival next season? I don't know, because as a fan, I part of the exciting thing about being in the Premier League is the idea that you can buy a Watford shirt with like some ledge player's yeah. name on the back. So part of me is a bit like, let's sign Ronaldinho, you know, <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, but then there is the kind of the recruitment that I don't understand at all because we seem to have the ability to get complete unknown players yeah. in my world <laughs> anyway, and they become absolute rockets. So for me, it feels like we've got such... A, a quality group of players we're talking about adding to it aren't we we're not yeah. talking about wholesale changes i don't think it'd be very um, different to like the first season when we got promoted and i think we brought yeah. in about 13 players i think it only probably needs about four or five really good additions to the squad now doesn't it that's what i mean i i um you know i think i think jao is i think petro is going to be um i think he's going to be class i think he's just got to build up hasn't he like he's young yeah. He's he's clearly like unbelievably talented. He's one of those that you look at. Um, I don't want to compare the two, but I just mean like, do you remember when you used to watch Ashley Young in a Watford shirt and it was really big on him? And, yeah, and it was kind of like, about this before you came on. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like he's gonna be. He is amazing, but I think he's the kind of player we we as fans are given the patience to to develop and kind of can see that. Yeah. Um, it's not complete yet, and he will physically get better and bigger um and he's had enough game experience 
So I think it's so good that we've got him. And in terms of additions, yeah, I, I would just love uh, one for the back of the shirt if possible. That's my only request. <laughs> um, they could be, you know, 60, 70 years old. It would just be good to sell club shirts. Yeah. Maybe bring back Tommy Mooney or something. I don't yeah. know. Bring, bring the old bung back. Talking about bringing people back, what's your thoughts on the, the Ashley Young one? Because I, I was saying to Ben, like when we uh, mentioned it on one of our social media channels, we, we asked the fans what they thought of a return of Ashley Young. And it's a real mixed bag. Like I'm so shocked at yeah. that. Like, Young well, he gets an odd reaction when he's back, isn't he? Yeah, but he gets, um, you know... He played. He played at the Vic, and he didn't help himself. Actually, he came and sort of. I remember being at the and he was like celebrating in front of, you know. Yeah. But then he came out and said something, didn't he? he? Came out and said like, that wasn't an anger, or he 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 gave some sort of excuse for it. Yeah. Um, listen, I used to love watching him when he was at Watford, and um, and so I personally would like to see him back at Watford at some point. Mm. Um, but do I think we need him? I don't know. Like, do you not think it'd be good for the experience of the ranks? Because obviously, it'd be very harsh to just nudge Messina out because um, you know he's he's been brilliantly season, and you know if if it wasn't for, I think he's class though. Like, I, maybe I just view it differently. Like, and, and this is what it's about, isn't it? It's different mm. opinions. I think. Look, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be unhappy by any stretch with that sign in mm-hmm. equally it, i think it's nice and nostalgic but are we wanting to go into the premier league with that sort of feeling when you look at what other teams have done that were in a similar position to us two seasons ago and you know some have gone down some have gone up look at west ham mm, yeah. and you look at the you know i interviewed martin noble last week i listened to and, it this and, morning uh, brilliant yeah thank you and it's interesting because he talks about the Czech lads, but yeah. I'd never heard of them, like <laughs> being honest. No, sorry. And, you know, aside from what they've done for me in my fantasy football, <laughs> they are unbelievable players. And you look at, he was talking about how industrious they are, how hardworking they are. And, and it gets you thinking like, okay, would I rather in some ways just trust that we're getting some signings where it's the right people, the right recruitment. We're getting people that we don't know, but they are, they're going to work hard. They're going to make names for themselves at the club. That excites me now a bit more than perhaps, joking aside, you know, a signing just for the sake of a name like Ashley Young. Yeah. And uh, just the, the the final question before we, we end on three quick fire questions. What are your thoughts going into next season? Are you? Is it a case of 17th and then anything above that? Like, let's just stay up or... Are you thinking maybe go in and maybe finish me table? And I'm not for one minute suggesting go in and look at finishing top half as great as that would be. We have to be realistic. It's the first year back in. And what 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 are your thoughts going into next season? Well, I just hope we we hit it hard at the start. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with top of the table. I don't. You know, look how it can change. Look how it changed for West Ham so quickly. Mm. I'm not saying the two situations are the same, but. You know, I don't see why we can't challenge. You know, we're go- we're we're on the rise. We're not, you know, we're not floating around the bottom of the Premier League table. There was a, it wasn't that long ago we were fighting for sixth, seventh place. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that be serious discussions about this best of the rest league and and all of that. So, I don't see why we can't attack it. New exciting team, energy. You know, from a team that is 
as I said, on the rise. I don't think we need to be uh, as pessimistic, perhaps. Obviously, we need to stay up. You know, we don't want to go down. But we're a Premier League team, really. I mean, that was what was apparent about this season when it started clicking. We, We are a Premier League team. Definitely. Um, we've had a few feisty games over the past 10 years against Palace and Bournemouth. Bit of rivalry between fans now. Going to throw you on the bus a little bit here, Chris. Who do you dislike the most, Palace or Bournemouth? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the last Bournemouth game, the Bournemouth away game, you know, was so frustrating, wasn't it? Yeah. But one of those where there was no fans in there, so it wasn't, or there was few fans. I can't remember where we were at at that point in the season, but that all turned into a bit of a ridiculousness at the end of that game didn't it yeah. um and then and then it's weird because a couple of seasons ago you'd even throw everton into the mix wouldn't you yeah. there was a, a yeah. kind of rivalry going on with them and um for me palace are always an issue because of just sheer frustrations at wembley and like yeah. just playoff finals and and it's it's yeah it's not actually through you know a dislike of their fans or anything it's a dislike of like oh god why can't we ever do it against palace you know <laughs> like so i I, th- I would say on the balance of those i kind of see the palace game as a bit more of a there's a bit more in it and i think i think they would say the same potentially you know there's just this little thing that's kind of developed and it, a there's part a of it was Harry the Hornet, there. you know, yeah. the, there's all sorts that kind of Boom. plays into that. When they sort of shithoused him as well, weren't they the ones that kind of unmasked him as well at one point? I heard that yeah. that all got a bit interesting. So um, yeah. I think there's a good, there's a good little, I don't want to say rivalry, but there's a little narrative going on with that game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, one, uh, it's one I look out for, you know. Um, I've not been to... Watford Palace since the playoff first leg back in 2006. That's the last time yeah. I went to a Palace game. So uh, yeah, I've got I've got good memories, and I'm not jinxing it anytime soon. But um, talking of away days, Chris, have you got a most enjo- uh, most memorable away day that you've been to? Yeah, I think the semi final against Southampton at Villa Park, um, whatever year it was, FA Cup run. Yeah. Uh, was just such a special time and was like all anyone talked about at school. Just so excited for it. I just felt like we could have done the business there as well. Um, but it was just such a special away day. I mean, look, there's other games that we've won and, you know, technically I suppose we're better, but mm-hmm. I, I always remember that. And I always remember, you know, FA Cup semifinals at Villa Park. That was, that's what it should be in my yeah. opinion. And it was just amazing being there with the Watford fans and taking up that whole stand and being there at the start of the game. It was just, it was just everything that football was about. If you were there, it was, you know, I'm sure you'd agree. Obviously better away days than that, but that was, that's the one probably that stands out in my mind, you know. What's your favourite away day? That's destination um, I quite like Brighton for some reason I always find quite fun <laughs> like just maybe it's because it's the area as well and it's not like too far um so I've always quite enjoyed that was you Reading, down here on the day we got promoted no I wasn't actually no but the weird thing about that, I wasn't far away. So I was really frustrated. So I nearly ended up going over for the evening just to celebrate. It oh, was yeah. a really odd one. Um, 
yeah, I think, what's my favourite favorite away day? I don't know. Do you mean sort of championship or, or, or any? Or yeah, Premier any, League? Any, like me and Mike, we've been up to Wigan before and we, we love going up to Wigan. If yeah. They, they told us about how to eat a pie differently. Like, turn, turn it upside it, down. Yeah. And put brown put sauce, brown sauce oh. on the bottom. Yeah. And like, that's like stuck that, in our mind, yeah. Mm. Wigan's our best away day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. I'd never even thought of that. Um yeah, I don't know. Even Reading, I quite like, but I think yeah. that's just a geography thing. You know, I, I hate having to get a bus to the ground. Like, <laughs> I hate station buses to the ground. They're not, I like, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just always so tedious. It, is, it like, takes so long. Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. But then also, there's some away days where it's just because the fun you're having, isn't it? Or if you stay over. Yeah. So it varies, really. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of signings from Indonesia over the years, also being referred as Indonesia B at the start of the Pozzo's reign. Yeah. What we want to know is who is your favourite player we've signed from Indonesia over the years? Um, oh, God. <laughs> it's been a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure really. I I mean, because we've, we've had some that have kind of ended up kind of doing well in their own right um i'm trying to think more of the, you know it's funny because it was troy deeney day the other day i that yeah. team i always loved so much yeah um so i'm thinking like a couple of those lads perhaps um and i'm trying to remember who ended up going back there that's the funny scenario as well the players that sort of started there came back over and then eventually get kind of farmed back there mm. i can't think of an example Forestieri was he from there? He was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, now. yeah, he is, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. I would I would say like I would say potentially he'd be up there. He was yeah. a bit of a fan favorite for a while. Yeah, yeah loved him. Our own little messy, wasn't he? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> In a way. <laughs> he was no Newton at the back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You look at those throwback names, though. Like I, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like my first experience of going to games, and we had Cox at the back, yeah. um, Jaden Merritt, players like that. You know, like it. That was such a special time. But I think that was because that was just as I was kind of going to the club and like saving all my pocket money every week. It kind of that was a really special time for me. That team. And they were really solid guys, weren't they? Just like yeah. massive guys. Yeah, it was yeah. a very different style of defender then as well. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't get many of those nowadays. I think when I first went, it was 2001 and we didn't win for the first four games. And my old man contemplated never taking me again. He then took me to Tranmere at home and we drew. And he was like, okay, you can keep coming. And uh, the rest is history, as I say. So, yeah, I've <laughs> seen, seen a lot of things at Watford and... Um, yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy. Like, you know, I remember when it, we almost went into administration and then we, we've had five years in the Premier League. We've had FA yeah, semi-finals. And, and, and crazy, people say we can't, but people say we can't keep coming back to that, but we can. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I can't see why we can't keep celebrating where we're up to and where we're at as a club. Who's owning it? Who's backing us? You know, we, we, we've we got Elton John at Watford Football Club the other day. And, it, you know, 
it's the little things and the music on match days and just the atmosphere. And we've got such a brilliant club and there's nothing wrong with saying like, well, we got to some point stop celebrate, you know, they've done this, but why like enjoy it, like embrace it. And, you know, that is my opinion. People obviously could disagree with it, but sometimes it's easy just to kind of like, I just think we should be super, super positive um it's it's sometimes easy to kind of lose sight of where we're up to and especially other football clubs you know really struggling and it just feels like we're in a really good place with it and it's exciting and also you know what as fans and as a football club one thing history shows us is we're going to go through big ups and big downs and that's part and parcel of it you know it's almost unavoidable um but what we must never lose is you know the sense of community, that spirit, Graham Taylor, uh, and that whole ethos of the club. Yeah, I think the club have done brilliantly to keep that going, to be honest. You know, uh, I think I remember Robbo saying that he, he still gets that feel of when Graham Taylor was around when, when he's been to the club on Hive Live this year. And um, yeah. it's very easy to get new owners in and lose that message and lose that ethos. But I think we've done absolutely incredible. All the people beyond the, the the scenes doing the hard work to keep it like that and uh it's been it's been absolutely incredible um as as has having you on today chris we, we really do appreciate the mate giving you time up to to join us to talk about watford and to talk about your your life as a watford fan as well so we really do appreciate you coming on mate and uh yeah long may peter crouch podcast continue and hopefully won't be long till troy's on there and i know we've had foster on there as well so yeah hope i hope that continues to, to go very very well but really do appreciate your time today chris no, thank you. And um, yeah, anytime. It's just really nice to to chat football, especially as we can't be at the Vic yet. And, you know, you, yeah. you can't have these conversations, can you, there? So it's really nice to be able to do that today. Yeah. So cheers for having us on. No, not a problem. Thank you very, very much. Podcast Network.